0: You are listening to The Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about setting expectations and why this is both an art and a science. What can go wrong and what are areas you can really over-deliver pretty easily on expectations. So stay tuned for this episode and now some music. When you listen to this, when it directly comes out, then we are just one week away from the Effective Statistician Conference, the first conference that I'm doing. It's a five-hour virtual, completely free event for you. And we have amazing speakers lined up. World experts like Kaspar Rufibas, like Alex Dimitrenko, and many more who are really, really the people you wanna to talk to when it comes about the topics they will talk about. It's free, it's virtual, so it's really easy for you to attend. That happens on April twenty-five, 1 p.m. CET to 6 p.m. CET. That is early morning on the U.S. East Coast, very early morning on the West Coast. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI community dedicated to leading and promoting use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video on demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. So in today's episode, we are talking about expectations, setting expectations, fulfilling expectations. And as we dive into this, I want to tell you a short story that happened to me recently. On one of my business trips, I was buying a coffee at an airport. And I got this really nice mug, and then I looked into it, and it was only half full. Well, the mug was basically setting for me the expectation of how much coffee I will get. And then I looked into it and it was only half full. So, although the coffee was nice, it really led to yeah, me thinking, hmm, I'm dissatisfied. I'm frustrated. If the mug would have been just half the size, the expectation would have been different and I would have been satisfied. Interesting, isn't it? Same amount of coffee, different mugs, different expectations, different experience. I once was at a training at my one of my former companies and um, because I was working in the affiliate, it was a lot about marketing and communication and these kind of things. And the trainer mentioned that if you want to create a wow effect, then a wow effect with a customer, with a client, with a coworker, with an employee, you always need to deliver Above the expectations. Otherwise, you're just satisfied or you're even dissatisfied. Think about yourself. When did you have such an experience? Maybe with the recent salary increase. Yeah, Maybe you expected more and then when you got your x percent salary increase, you said like, hmm, I'm not really happy about it because it's less than uh, what I expected. We have this all the time, yeah? I once had a um, person in my team who um was on a yeah, very difficult career trajectory. And there were already discussions about uh him leaving the company. And then he got this really, really challenging project. I thought he's the right person for it. And he over-delivered on it. He really went into it. He solved all these problems um, and enjoyed it. For him, This was really great because he now had something that he was enjoying and he over-delivered and over-delivered on the expectations on him. And so he got, a couple of years later, a promotion on it. Actually, three years later, after we had kind of discussions about him leaving the company. I also recently had a coach. And um, during the first session with the coach, She um, did some guided meditation with me. I've never done that before. And I was kind of skeptical about these kind of things because, well, it, it sounded a little bit esoteric. But it was really, really good. It went far beyond my expectations. And I had this wow effect. That's a really, really good coach. Managing expectations is really, really difficult, especially if you set big goals. If you set these audacious goals, these moonshots. I was once working at a company um, and in an organization where the new uh, leader, the new product leader, global product leader, Um, was that, okay, we are here shooting for the stars. She set really high goals, but she also made it clear that these are really, really high. And she communicated in such a way that she said, okay, we really want to reach these, but they are really, really difficult to reach. That I think is a really interesting thing. Yeah, because it communicates that you want to reach far and it's very, it's very much the opposite of what is very often done. Yeah. Goals are very often sandbagged. They are set in such a way that you can really achieve them, that it's easy to achieve them. I can think of of a scene in um, in one of the Star Trek movies, where there's this old generation and the new generation. And of course, like always, there's some kind of emergency. And the engineer gets uh, asked by the captain, when will you be able to fix it? And... The new engineer says, we'll need two hours. Okay. And then the old engineer looks at the new one and said, you just told the captain that it will take two hours. It takes two hours. Yes, I know it takes two hours, but then you only have these two hours. I usually said, I need three hours or four hours. And when I w- then was delivering in two hours, I was a hero. So this kind of um old engineer, always sandbagged stuff, always wanted to kind of make sure that he would over deliver. And he of course knew that the captain would always push back. So that was kind of a typical game and that's a little bit the the problem on always sandbagging expectations yeah, because if you're always sandbag or sandbag too much then you get into this problem that um, you always get kind of pushed back on things Another problem with especially kind of setting timelines and things like this, we are notoriously bad for in terms of planning. There's some kind of bias that we always think everything will go smoothly and we are overly optimistic usually on when we will be able to deliver. And then in reality, of course, not everything goes to plan. Of course not. So in these kind of scenarios, sometimes it's good to give some kind of range. Yeah? And to say, okay, if everything goes more or less to plan, we'll hit here, but realistically we'll deliver at that date. Now, it's really also important to think about what happens thereafter. I once had this discussion within a company where the regulatory people sent back quite a lot and then were super happy. Oh, we have received approval two months earlier. And the whole organization was not ready for it. Everybody had thought, okay, this is the approval date. Okay, we'll have, you know, recruitment lined up by then. We'll have training lined up by then. We'll have promotional material lined up by then. We'll have our um, reimbursements lined up by then. And nothing was ready. So, yeah, great. You had a approved drug, but you didn't have anything to kind of launch it. So, there was no really additional benefit with the earlier approval because it couldn't materialize. We couldn't, you know, give any drugs to patients. So, the regulatory people were partying and saying, oh, we were f- faster than expected, much faster, we overdelivered and so on. But for the company as a whole, it didn't make a difference. It actually led to a lot of frustrations because now, of course, the people in the marketing and the PRA uh, departments were asked, why are you not ready to launch? And they, of course, said, well, we didn't expect it to be ready now. It's a lot about trust within companies that you can say really kind of, okay, these are kind of different discussions to have. These are different negotiations to have. So whenever you talk about timelines, talk about the, uh, deliverables, it also depends very much on trust. And trust is one of the key things that we speak in our uh, leadership program about. Trust has, on one hand, something to do with your competence, of course. But it also has something to do with your character. It also has something uh, to do with, does the other person believe you care for them? And so these are the three things that we actually dive very, very deeply into in our leadership program in our leadership program, which is really about influencing. It's really about not, you know, supervising people, but about these cross-functional relationships, these typical things when you as a statistician work in a cross-functional team and you need to convince your clinical operations people, you need to convince your regulatory people, you need to convince your physician, the pharmacologist or whoever you work with. Or you need to convince upper management. This is what the leadership program is really about. If you want to learn more about this, just check the effective statistician homepage. And um, we mostly actually offer this nowadays to uh, companies and companies purchase them in bigger chunks for their teams. So um, if you're interested in that, just reach out to me and we can have a discussion. In terms of character, competence, care, it's really important to keep people updated. Don't have any negative surprises. Maybe you have heard that already from your supervisor. You know, supervisors can deal with more or less everything, but not with negative surprises. Yeah. If you mess up, tell someone about it. Tell your supervisor about it. Tell the stakeholders about it. If you will need a couple of days more before you can deliver... Don't tell the people at the time of the delivery. Tell it earlier. This is really, really important. Now also, trust character comes from taking responsibilities. If something goes wrong with your project, Take responsibility for that. Don't blame others. Don't blame the CRO, the programmers, the data managers, whatsoever. Yeah. Make sure that you have a good relationship with those people that work before you, that need to deliver to you so that you can deliver. And build trust with them. And make sure they also understand that you need to work on this. You need to then deliver once they have delivered. And that you don't want any negative surprises either. If they say, well, we'll deliver on Monday, then you expect things to be delivered on Monday and not on Tuesday. And if they can't deliver on Monday, then at least you want to know on the Thursday before, not on the Monday morning. These kind of things build trust. And of course, if you always deliver, if you always maybe a little bit over deliver, that builds a lot of trust. Because then people see you Say what you do and you do what you say. And this kind of alignment is really, really important. It's especially important if you have people, leaderships, responsibilities. So if someone reports to you, what you do speaks much louder than what you say. Because what you do is fulfilling on the expectations of what you have said. If you say something, but then you do something else, you don't deliver on the expectations that you have set yourself. Maybe you have seen that in politics, or maybe you have seen that in upper management, yeah, where they have... On a Sunday speech kind of said this, and next Monday they do something else. They say, you know, the company values are about X, Y, Z, and then you see some decisions and you think like, how do they go together with these values? This is where expectations are not met. And that hurts trust quite a lot. Now timelines is of course one thing in terms of expectations. Quality is a completely different thing. One area where you can really wow people, where you can really overdeliver in terms of expectations are data visualizations. I worked once in an area where you know everybody was just doing line charts, bar graphs, because you know mostly we looked into dichotomized data over time. So there was some kind of uh, continuous variable, and that got pretty skewed distribution after treatment, and therefore people would look into how many patients have at least 75, 90, or maybe even complete response. And that, of course, led to lots of bar charts or line graphs of how many responders do you have over time. And everybody used the same. Yeah? If you go, went to a conference... All the presentations more or less looked the same. Of course, the branding was different, but also designs were very, very similar. So you had like a déjà vu every time you saw a new presentation. And I was thinking, we should do something that stands out. We should generate a data visualization that shows more than this digitized endpoint. Because, of course, there's much more happening, yeah? If you think about how patients develop over time, do they really stay where they are? Or do they, you know, go up and down and just because on average the response rate is the same, you know, that it doesn't mean that the patients really always have a response, yeah? Because they could flip around. Unless you have 100%, 100% responders. And, of course, Nobody can flip around anymore, but but usually you don't have that. And so we looked into an animated scatter plot, and this animated scatter plot showed much more the detail of the data, showed it in a completely new way. And I, when I first, sh- when I first showed that at an advisory board, people were amazed they didn't expect something like this. And this was really a wow effect for them. Data visualizations are a area where expectations are very, very low. And where also non-statisticians can understand how something is more valuable because you can directly see it, you know? Every non-statistician will understand this is a great uh, data visualization and this is a poor one. They see it. But they don't necessarily see that if you have different multiplicity adjustments or if you have different designs. Yeah, of course you then see kind of the operating characteristics of a design are different and better and yeah, you have some savings in terms of money and things like that. But uh, data visualization is really, really compelling. These kind of data visualizations actually got me promoted a couple of times, but that's another story. Um, it just shows you that in this area, if you invest there, you can easily overdeliver. You can deliver more than the people expect. And that creates a wow effect that really helps you to stand out. So, if you wanna learn more about data visualization, I'm offering different data visualization workshops. So, mostly companies actually purchase them and then, you know, says 15 people online or 20, 25 people in person that attend these three, four hour interactive data visualization workshops. If you're interested in something like this, reach out to me, or there's also the opportunity if you're located in Europe, you can come to um, one that we are organizing in Berlin uh, on the 21st of June. So head over to the show notes of this episode, and you can learn more about these interactive data visualization workshops. So to sum it up, always make sure that you deliver on your expectations and check with your stakeholders that you have the same expectations. The same expectations in terms of quality, timelines, budget if that plays a role, these kind of different things. And if there's anything changing, keep people updated. No negative surprises. So. With that, have a nice time and talk to you again. Have you already registered for the Effective Statistation Conference happening on April 25th, 2023? If not, head over to our homepage. It's free, five hours full of great content. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and her team at VVS who helped with the show's background and thank you for listening. Reach your potential lead trade science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.